Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm executive editor Sean Schmidt, and I'm joined today by managing editor Elizabeth Orr. It's crunch time on reauthorization of the Medical Device User Fee Amendments, or MEDUFA, with less than six months to go before the U.S. Food and Drug Administration will lose its ability to collect user fees if Congress doesn't pass the reauthorization measures. That deadline has brought a fresh sense of urgency to the agency, industry, and also lawmakers, with lots of activity on all fronts. Of particular note was a health subcommittee hearing in the U.S. House on March 30th. Elizabeth, you watched that event. What was the tone? It's clear there's a lot of agreement on agency priorities, but there is also a fair amount of frustration about the process, which the representatives took out on Device Center Director Jeff Sheeran. He was the sole witness for the primary part of the hearing. And where is that frustration coming from? Mostly from delays on the FDA and industry agreement. Congress didn't get the proposed commitment letter until March 22nd, which is more than two months after the statutory deadline of January 15th. Representatives, including House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Frank Pallone, said the delay had put Congress in a real-time crunch in terms of reviewing the document before Wednesday's hearing. The members also pointed to the fact that no minutes have been publicly posted online for meetings between the FDA and industry that have taken place since June 2021, even though Director Shearn readily admitted that the parties came to the table more than a dozen times over the last nine months. The lack of minutes made it impossible for anyone who wasn't in the meeting to follow the negotiation process, as Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers of Washington State said. Sounds like plenty to be frustrated by. Did Sharon offer any kind of explanation or apology to the lawmakers? He did apologize and said the delays came about because industry and the FDA had both been, quote, hammered by COVID and had therefore started negotiations late. And this is a side note. The other user fee packages for pharmaceuticals, biologics, and generic drugs were delivered on January 12th, even though obviously the pandemic also happened for those sectors. Sharon further said that finalizing meeting minutes had been less of a priority than reaching consensus on the issues at stake. He didn't specify the sticking points, but we've previously reported at medtechinsight.com that major issues included carryover funds and staffing levels, as well as the FDA's proposed Total Product Lifecycle Advisory Program, or TAP. TAP will allow external stakeholders to give input during the pre-submission process, which Sharon says will let sponsors iron out issues early and allow the device center to approve devices more efficiently once submission is received. On the other hand, industry expressed concerns about the cost and necessity of the program. Sharon was also asked what steps Congress could take to ensure the same delays didn't crop up in 2027 when Medufa 6 will be due, and he suggested that the legislature might want to set interim deadlines for the agency and industry to meet, rather than just having the commitment letter due date. Well, that makes sense. So other than process issues, what else did the House members want to talk to Sharon about? Mostly, it was a grab bag of the same kinds of issues we've seen Congress express interest in before. Several representatives expressed concern about ongoing international supply chain issues, particularly the shortage of semiconductor chips. Sharon also discussed the agency's push to bring regulation of lab-developed tests in-house, which is something we might see later this year with Cures 2.0, as well as the central strategies for achieving a White House goal of increasing clinical trial diversity. And with the pandemic seeming to wind down, there was, of course, a lot of talk about the FDA's proposed plan to transition products that reached market under emergency use authorizations to PMAs, 510Ks, and other standard clearances. Representative Rogers, in particular, questioned the feasibility of the FDA's plan to get all EUA products that planned to remain on the market cleared within 180 days of the end of the public health emergency, 
which, of course, former President Trump declared in March 2020. Yeah, that's a tight timeline. What did Sharon have to say? First, he said the agency is taking industry feedback into account and would do its best not to push anybody off the market. But he also urged manufacturers of EUA products who know they're going to want to pursue a standard clearance eventually to start moving toward that goal now rather than waiting for the go-ahead from the FDA. Thanks, Elizabeth. It'll be interesting to watch the process unfold over the coming months. And before we go, could you maybe walk us through some of the high points of the Medufa 5 draft commitment letter? Sure thing. The top line is the FDA will collect at least $17.8 billion in user fees over the next five years, with the potential to reach just about $20 billion if certain performance goals are met. By contrast, the Medufa 4 agreement in 2016 involved just $1 billion plus inflation, so that's obviously quite the increase. The proposal also promises a total average time to decision of 287 days for PMAs and 112 days for 510Ks by 2027, giving reviewers slightly less time than the current average. And the FDA will hire 144 full-time employees out of user fee monies in 2023 and add a further 42 in 2024 and at least 24 in 2025, rising to 83 if other performance goals are met. The hiring goals in 2026 and 2027 be set based on how the agency is doing at that time. The big victory for industry in all this was a provision that allows the FDA to keep only 13 weeks of operating reserves as a user fee carryover. If they have more than that on hand, user fees will decrease. And the FDA's win was the previously mentioned Total Product Lifecycle, or TAP, pilot. The program is set to launch with 15 products in 2023, adding an additional 45 products in 2024, 65 more in 2025, up to 100 more products in both 2026 and 2027. But for the first three years, only products granted the breakthrough device designation will be eligible. And finally, the agency promised additional transparency around its finances in the form of annual reports, as well as independent assessments of the Medufa workforce in the device submission process. Okay, Elizabeth, that's certainly plenty to dig into, and I'm sure we'll be busy covering the ramifications for years to come. And that concludes our podcast for this week. One quick programming note before we go, we're shaking up the scheduling for Device Week. From here on out, we'll be bringing you this podcast every other week rather than weekly. This gives our journalists at MedTech Insight more time to report on the industry news and analysis that you've trusted for years. So with that, I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. And always remember, you can find us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. Until next time, thanks for listening.